was able to bring the gospel to those cities. It really made it possible for him to travel safely and effectively bringing the gospel uh, to, to Europe. This is actually uh, the first stop. Neapolis, as we learned last week, is the first stop in Paul's European travels. And uh, two weeks ago, we talked about Macedonia and talked about how when God says no, and uh, how, many, how many know that that's the case? Sometimes God says no, and he's got a better plan for you. Everybody knows about that, right? Last week, we talked about Neapolis, talking about uh, the new city, and sometimes God says yes to new places, new people, new things. And to talk about new places, new people, new things, we're going to be seeing that this, uh, for 10 of us, the A-team, uh, good name, by the way, the A-team, we're going, to be, we're going to be experiencing new people, new places, new things this coming Saturday. We're really excited about that. Um, today, I want to talk about Philippi. I want to talk about uh, what happens when God says, surprise. We know what happens when God says no, what happens when God says yes, but when God says surprise, you know that that's going to be a mixed bag. You don't know what that's going to be. You know that it will probably be fantastic, but uh, there's always something in there that we're not expecting. Well, that's exactly what happened when the Apostle Paul went to Philippi. Look at this passage of Scripture. And again, it's uh, Luke who is recording the travels of this missionary team. And um, do you have that there? You don't have that? All right, I'm going to read it to you. And it's Acts 16, 11 to 12. And this is what uh, Luke records. We boarded a boat at Troas and sailed straight across to the island of Samothrace, and the next day we landed at Neapolis. From there we reached Philippi, a major city of that district of Macedonia and a Roman colony, and we stayed there several days. Now, Philippi was uh, a Roman outpost. It was uh, one of the major cities, as we said, in Macedonia. It was a place of governance and of rule, and uh, Rome, Rome had a huge influence on this, on this city, and we'll talk about that more in just a moment. Uh, before we go further, let me just say this. Those of you who know your Bible, you'll recognize that the Apostle Paul sent one of his letters to the church in Philippi, and we call that letter what? Say it. Philippians, that's right. And uh, that is, by the way, one of my absolute favorite books in the New Testament. It is absolutely full of encouragement. Um, I would say that probably of all the letters that Paul wrote to the different churches, I would say that Philippi probably is one of the most intimate, most endearing of all the letters. In fact, you get the impression that the church in Philippi was probably the Apostle Paul's favorite church. I know we're not supposed to have favorites, but I think that that was definitely his favorite. Philippi experienced the first conversion in Europe, and her name was Lydia. She was a dealer in purple cloth. And so this morning, I want to talk about... uh, the surprises of God and the surprises that God brought to Paul and Silas and Timothy and Luke. These are surprises that everyone who is serious about following God are going to experience. If you're really, really serious about being a Christ follower and about being useful and used by God, then you will already know that God loves to surprise us. He loves to show up and do things that we don't expect. And so um, I'm going to talk to you this morning about how God wants to surprise you by using you. 
And it's amazing what God wants to do in you and through you. Uh, Sarah and uh, Gloria uh, love the TLC uh, network. Anybody familiar with the TLC, the Learning Channel? And what do you got on there? You've got uh, Cake Boss. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You seen Cake Boss? Yeah, Cake Boss. Gloria says I, I kind of remind her of him. But. Yeah, maybe just the size, that's about it. Um, there's uh, all kinds of uh, interesting programs, a program about the little people and programs about uh, couples that want to have children. Well, there's a real interesting uh, program that really caught my eye. And it's, you, I mean, really, I, I can understand why they get hooked on this. And uh, it's about, uh, the show's called, uh, I Didn't Know I Was Pregnant. And it's like, it's like, uh, it's a scenario after scenario after scenario. This woman is, is feeling sick. She's not feeling well. She goes to the hospital and, you know, tells the doctor, I think I got the flu. And he says, no, you don't have the flu. <laughs> You've got, <laughs> well, if you have the flu, you caught it from your husband. Uh, <laughs> uh, Ma'am, you're about to have a baby. And that's what the whole program is about. And, and so it's, it's, it's a couple after couple. Uh, and their experience and not knowing they were pregnant. Now talk about a surprise. Talk about a surprise. Well, guess what? Jesus has called you and me to be his agents in this world, to bring life and help and hope and healing to a broken world. Did you know that you and I are called to be reproducers? Did you know that? In fact, the sign of a healthy believer is that he or she is able to reproduce. I'm not talking, I'm not talking uh, physiologically. I'm talking about spiritual reproduction. I want to ask you the question today. When's the last time you led somebody to Jesus? When's the last time you were able to introduce someone to the love of Jesus? When's the last time you were able to pray for someone and see them set free from the power of darkness? I can tell you, my friends, there is absolutely nothing on the face of this earth that matches the joy and the excitement and the thrill of being used by God to see people set free from the powers of hell. My friends, this is what God has called you and I to be. He's called us to be reproducers. And I hope, I hope, I hope that right here we've got people who are pregnant and ready to give birth spiritually. In fact, you know what? We, the 30 of us, go to Africa. I'm praying that God will use us to see not just fences built and not just kids treated medically. My prayer, my desire is that God will use us to help advance the church of Jesus Christ in Africa. And, and everybody said, I hope, I hope, I hope. You show me somebody who's, who's excited about seeing people come to Christ, and I'm going to show you somebody who's really on fire for God, those who are touched by God. Well, I want, to, I want to share some of the surprises then, and these are surprises that we will all face. The first surprise uh, deals with Lydia. The apostle Paul and his companions, Timothy and, uh, and, and Luke and Silas, they go down to the riverside. Philippi did not have a synagogue, so that was, uh, they, they couldn't go there. So they went to the riverside hoping that there'd be a place there to worship and to pray. While they're there, the four of them, now remember, they're just showing up to, just to worship God, 
But while they're there, there's a group of women sitting there. And they get to talking to these women. And lo and behold, one of the women, women is, a, is, a, is what the Bible calls a God-fearer or a worshiper of God. Doesn't know Jesus Christ, doesn't know anything about the gospel, but is hungry for God. And so the Apostle Paul began, begins to, to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with her. And she says, I believe. I accept this. I believe that what you're saying is true, and I want to ask Jesus into my heart. Now, I've got to tell you, the Apostle Paul and his companions did not make an appointment with Lydia. They, did not, they were not told by anybody, hey, go to the, go to the riverside and, and talk to that woman Lydia, because she's a worshiper of God. There was no instructions. There were, there were, there were no secret messages. Essentially what happens is the Apostle Paul and his companions show up the place of worship, and God does a miracle. I want the Spirit of God to speak to your heart now, because here's the thing. When your desire, when your hunger, when your thirst is to be used by God, all God expects you to do is show up and be prepared to share whatever it is that he has done in your life. Has Jesus made a difference in your life? Has Jesus set you free? Do you have a testimony? Here's the thing. If you've given your heart to Christ, my friends, you have a testimony to share. And the Apostle Paul, you know his story. He had an amazing testimony. He was on his way to Damascus, ready to slaughter the Christians there, and all of a sudden Jesus appears in a bright light. You've heard that, you've heard that expression, a blinding light on the road, a Damascus road experience. That's what Paul had. And Jesus speaks to him and says, Paul, why are you persecuting me? And right then and there, Paul says, who are you? And Paul has this fantastic conversion experience. He is so deeply touched and so deeply moved by this that he becomes a full-time missionary. He can't help himself. He wants to go and tell anybody and everyone who will listen to him. Well, Lydia is the fruit of his desire to be a reproducer. You don't have to go to Bible school for this, folks. You don't have to be a Christian for, for five years, for ten years, for three years. All you have to do is be in love with Jesus and be willing to obey him. Now, the surprise that we find here in Philippi is not that the first Christian is a woman. And here's the thing. So many people will say, you know, Christianity is anti-woman. They're, they're against women. It's so utterly false. Anybody tells you that Christianity does not pr promote women or is it somehow down on women, that's absolute a lie from the pit of hell. But that's not the real surprise. You'd think that maybe the surprise would be that Lydia was a wealthy woman, one of the wealthiest people in Philippi, a dealer in purple cloth. After all, religion is for poor people, right? It's not for wealthy people. Well, not even that's the surprise, although that is surprising. You would think that maybe the surprise was that Lydia was inviting these strangers to come and stay at her house to enjoy hospitality in her house. But that wasn't the real surprise. The real surprise is this, my friends. Paul and his companions just showed up and shared the message of Jesus Christ, and the church is born. Now let the Spirit of God speak to your heart. Woody Allen who is definitely not a believer. 
He says that 80% of success is just showing up. 30 of us, we, we're not, none of, none of the 30 that are going, or almost none of the 30 that are going are Bible school trained. None of them have taken evangelism courses. They're just, they just want to show up and say, God, hear my, use me. And God's calling each and every one of us to do just that. And watch, this, watch what happens, my friends. When you show up and say, God, hear my, use me, God will surprise you and he will use you and do great and mighty things through your life. Last week I was with, uh, or two weeks ago I was with Lawrence Trafford, and he told me that, that he has uh, crusades and, and does missions work in Haiti. And it just so happened that he uh, showed up at the same time that the uh, earthquake happened. I'm not sure if he happened, happened to be there just before or just after or during, but it was like right, he was there right at the right time. And uh, he just said, God, hear my, use me. And next thing you know, God brought him to a place to set up a, a, a big tent. And the place where he was, there happened, to be, there happened to be water. Hello? He begins to minister to these people. People start bringing babies to him. He starts calling on people to care for these babies. He's getting, he's getting stuff sent over from Canada and from the U.S. to come to minister to these people. He became so effective at what he was doing. Guess, guess what happened? The United Nations came to him and said, show us what to do. Tell us what to do. The United Nations coming to an ex-criminal who said, Jesus, I'm showing up for, for duty. Use me. That's the surprise that God would use Alan Duncalf. And that's exactly what God wants to do. The surprise is that God would want to use Taryn. And Brett says, Nothing. <laughs> the surprise is that God would use Alvin and Rubina and Marilyn and Janet and Vicky. But the fact of the matter is, is God wants to use you. And all you have to do is say, Lord, I'm showing up for duty. Here, my Lord, use me. I have had this experience. I, I, could, I could write a book on the subject. But my, my absolute favorite experience, and I've shared this with you before, was when I was in Saskatoon as a Bible college student. And I said, I was praying one day, and God said, Alan, I want to use you today. And I said, God, but I've got studying to do. I've got, I've got to prepare for the ministry. See the irony in that? God, I don't have time to do what you want me to do. I've got to study for the ministry. Hello? So you know, I did, I put down my pen, closed my book, and I went down. I said, okay, God, I'm just going to go wherever you lead me. Have you ever done that? Have you ever said, what way is the Spirit blowing here? Learn how to do that. God, where, where do you want me to go? What do you want me to do? And I just said, got on the bus, I went downtown, and said, God, this seems like a good place to go fishing. There's lots of people here. Went into the mall. And I felt the Spirit of God saying, just sit down on that bench and don't move. I sat down on the bench like this, and I began to pray. And I said, God, who here do you want me to share the good news with? And I would just sit there praying and watching people as they walked by. I watched people go by. I was there for probably about 20, 30 minutes. I said, God, um, 
I don't feel like sitting here anymore. <laughs> Can you get this person here quick, whoever it is? And then all of a sudden, this fellow comes walking by. Has anybody ever seen Star Trek? The force field, ever seen that? You can't see it, but it's there. This man comes walking along, all of a sudden, boom, stops dead in his tracks. And he whips around and looks at me right in the eye. And I look at him right in the eye. I said, you're in for it, buddy. <laughs> he came and he sat down right beside me and he says, what are you doing here? I said, God sent me here. Whoa. <laughs> he says, I was praying this morning and said, God, if you're real, then reveal yourself to me. Is that amazing? If you're real, God, reveal yourself to me. And then he proceeded to tell me the saddest, one of the saddest stories I've ever heard. He said his wife had just died, left with five kids, and feeling absolutely desolate, not knowing what to do. God, are you real? If you're there, could you help me? And so right there on that bench in the mall in Saskatoon, I led him to Jesus, introduced him to my Lord and Savior, and I said, you've got help now that will just blow your mind. God's going to be with you every step of the way. And together we went to the Christian, walked over to the Christian bookshop, and on my meager little allowance as a Bible college student, I bought him a Bible, and I got him and his whole family to start going to church, a church that would minister to him and care for him. As far as I know, he's still going. And I walked away from that and I said, wow, Bible college doesn't prepare you for that. Bible college teaches you how to read books. But what God wants to do is he wants to prepare you to be a minister, to show up. And the miracle is, the surprise is, God will use you. Paul now is going regularly to the riverside because it's a good place to fish. He caught Lydia and Lydia's whole family came to Christ, and they were all baptized. Isn't that amazing? Her whole household becomes, they become Christians. They all get baptized, and Paul and his companions have a place to stay. One day, they're going down to the riverside to do some more preaching. And on the way, the Bible says, uh, says this, we were met by a female slave, verse 16 of Acts chapter 16, we were met by a female slave who had a spirit, an evil spirit, by which she predicted the future. She earned a great deal of money for her owners by fortune-telling. Now, anybody, just, let me just say something here. This is a little, I'm just going to add this. This is a, a little bonus to the sermon this morning. If you're going to fortune-tellers, you are entertaining evil spirits. Don't be going to the fortune-tellers. Don't be reading horoscopes. Don't have anything to do with anything that is not have Jesus Christ at the center of it. All right? You've been foretold. You're opening yourself up to demonic activity in your life and in your family. Get away. Run for your life. Have nothing to do with fortune tellers. This woman, this woman, controlled by an evil spirit, follows Paul. And this, for the Bible seems to indicate that this was a regular occurrence. And so she would follow Paul and his companions, and she would shout out like this. Ready? She'd say, These men are servants of the Most High God who are telling you the way to be saved. Isn't it interesting that Satan knows all about, about the work of God? The Bible says that the devil believes in God, and he trembles. And these evil spirits are following behind Paul. Now, you would think 
that the Apostle Paul would say, oh, isn't that cool? We've got somebody supporting our work. But the Apostle Paul knows what's really happening. Satan is coming along behind and he's mocking the work of Jesus Christ. Because everybody in that community knows that that woman has got an evil spirit in her and has nothing to do with Jesus Christ. And so what's happening here, in, 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 in what looks like he, she's supporting the work, what's happening really is that she's undermining the work. And she is actually trying to cancel it out. Well, she kept this up, the Bible says, for many days. And then finally, look at this, talk about a big surprise. Finally, it says in verse 18, Paul became so annoyed that he turned around and said to the Spirit, and I love this, in the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to come out of her. And at that moment, the Spirit left her, and she was set free. Hallelujah. My friends, the surprise is this, is that God has given you power and authority over Satan and all his minions. And you have nothing to be afraid of, nothing to fear. God wants to use you as an agent, as his agent to set people free. We've got reports from Happy and Evangeline in Chihuahua telling us that there have been people there who have been set free from evil spirits, who have been delivered. And when some of our team heard about that, it kind of scared them a little bit. Well, if you're not used to that sort of thing, it is kind of scary, isn't it? Unless you know the scriptures. And here's what Jesus says. He said, I have given you all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teach these new disciples to obey all commands that I've given you. And be sure of this, I'm with you always even to the end of the age. Those of you who are going to Africa, you've got nothing to be afraid of. Can I just tell you that right now? Listen to me. If, you, if you're feeling fearful today, that's just an attack from the enemy. Satan, is, the Bible says, is a roaring lion, and he loves to roar. You know, that, you know why a lion roars? Because that deep-throated roar actually paralyzes his prey with fear so that the thing can't move. My friends, Satan can roar all he wants, but he is a defeated foe. Jesus Christ conquered him. Jesus Christ dealt with him at the cross. And all authority on heaven and on earth belongs to those who call themselves children of Jesus Christ. You have nothing to be afraid of. You can stand in the power, the anointing of God, and you can do great and mighty exploits in the name of Jesus. But it's in the name of Jesus. Not in your name. Not according to your power. Not according to your abilities. Not according to your skills, your talents. And we're so tempted to think that we can do anything we want in our own power. But we can't. Because what we're dealing with is the spiritual realm. And that requires the power and the anointing of Almighty God. We need the anointing of God to do the work of God. And the surprise is this. God wants to use you. It doesn't have to be Pastor Allen. It doesn't have to be the one who was ordained and went to Bible school. It could be any child of God who says, God, hear my, use me. And you have authority to do the work of God. That was a second great surprise in Philippi. Satan has no authority. No. One more surprise. And this is the surprise that some of you may not like. After Paul cast the demon out of this girl, and I, I'm imagining that 
now we've got another convert in the church. The Apostle Paul made some men very angry. These men were making money off of this poor female slave who was possessed by a devil because she would do the fortune telling and these men would take in the money. They were so angry, so furious that they actually got a hold of the apostle and Silas and dragged them before the magistrate and said, these men are teaching things that are contrary to Roman law. Next thing you know, Paul and Silas are flogged, they're beaten, they're a mess. And all those going to Zambia are saying, They're a mess. The Bible says they were thrown into jail. And, and, the, and the Bible says they were fastened. Their, their feet were fastened in stocks. They were not going anywhere. Now, what would you do if you were in jail and, you, and you, were, you had an opportunity to pray? You'd say, God, I can't believe you'd do this to me. I'll leave my family behind. I'll leave everything behind. I come to serve you. I come to preach the gospel. Lydia gets saved. And then this... The demon comes out of this girl, and now here I am. I've got the daylights beaten out of me. This does not make sense, God. God, where are you? But that's not what Paul and Silas did. The Bible says that they began to sing hymns and started to praise the Lord and worship God, and they did it loud enough so that everybody could hear it. The surprise that we see here is that Sometimes God uses difficult circumstances, difficult situations for his purposes. Janet told us this morning how the container is not there. Oh, it's nothing like getting your back beaten, but if that stuff doesn't get there, we don't have mattresses to sleep on. I'll be sleeping on the hard cement floor or earth floor. I don't know what it is. Not quite as bad as getting your your back beaten by whips, but... I mean, I can't sleep on a hard floor. And I'm saying, God, what is going on here? At home, I sleep with six pillows. <laughs> Who's in for trouble? And I think my dad sleeps with about half that many, maybe a bit more. God, what's going on? What's going on? No bedding, no mattresses, no pillows? I mean, we packed, how many pillows did we pack there? 20 pillows, Dad? Uh, we have a lot of pillows for us. No container. No tents. Janet says, well, maybe all 16 of us will have to sleep in one room. That sounds like jail to me. <laughs> I mean, I know there's people in our group that snore. Not me, of course. (laughs) They're singing at the top of their lungs, worshiping God, and everybody's hearing this, and everybody now is being moved by this, and suddenly, boom, there's an earthquake. And everybody's shackles, everything comes loose, and everybody now is free to run. You say, oh, thank God for the miracle. They're going to be set free. They can run for their lives. Can I just tell you something right now? God's ways are not our ways, and our ways are not God's ways. And the thing that you would think would be the answer to prayer was not the answer to prayer. You would think, Paul and Silas, here's your chance. Run for it. Now, something you have to understand is that according to Roman law, if a jailer lost 
his prisoners, he had to die. And so he was ready to kill himself. Because, in fact, the, the jailer would die the way that the escaped prisoner was supposed to die. So if it was like beaten to death or, or hanged or whatever it is, that's the way the jailer was going to die. And he knew it. He's ready to kill himself. And Paul shouts out, Don't harm yourself. We're all here. Jailer, we're not going anywhere. Paul, you just lost your chance. Run for it. Don't, don't harm yourself, jailer. We're all here. We're not going anywhere. Everything's cool. Just relax. And the jailer, who's just about to kill himself, calls for lights, rushes in, and this is what he does. He falls before Paul and Silas, trembling. Oh, I love this. And he says, Sirs, sirs. This is the jailer talking to the prisoners. Sirs, what must I do to be saved? How many know that more important than Paul and Silas escaping the discomfort of prison, more important than that is that somebody gets saved? Let the Spirit of God speak to your heart right now because here's the thing. You need to start seeing through God's eyes if you're going to be in his service. And God's going to surprise you like crazy in ways that you cannot imagine. And you know what? So many times God asks you to do quite the contrary to what you expected you should do. Paul says, don't harm yourself. We're all here. Nobody's moving. We're all staying put. And the jailer, the Bible says, falls before them and he gives his heart to Jesus. They reply, believe in the Lord Jesus, you will be, and you will be saved, you and your household. And then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and all the others in his house. And at that hour of the night, the jailer took them and washed their wounds. This guy was really saved people. He was really converted. Because his whole family, his whole family was introduced to Jesus Christ. And this jailer now, who's been touched by the spirit of Jesus, the spirit of love and compassion. He gets down and he washes the wounds of these prisoners with compassion and love. That, my friends, is the work of the Spirit of Jesus. The jailer brought them into his house and set a meal before them. He was filled with joy because he had come to believe in God. He and his whole household. That's what the Bible says. That's fantastic. Oh, you might have to experience a bit of difficulty. Janet, here's what I'm banking on. I'm banking on that because that container is not where we want it to be, when we want it to be there, that God's going to do something incredible, if not in Africa, in the hearts of all who are going. God wants to do something incredible, my friends. And all he expects us to do is to show up in the power of the Holy Spirit, and say, God, whatever your will is, may it be done for Christ's sake. Amen. Are you showing up for duty, people? There's people out there just waiting for you to come to the rescue. There's people just waiting for you to share your testimony. There's people just waiting for you to come with a message of love. Wouldn't it be a thrill if next week the big hole that's left in this place by 30 missionaries being in Africa. Wouldn't it be fantastic if every one of you brought a friend who doesn't know Jesus, the place would be filled. 
God's called you and me to be reproducers. And the surprise is, is that God can use you and wants to use you. Would you bow your heads, please? Father, we know that the thing that this world needs more than anything is not just great counselors, not just great, great ideas, great techniques for raising children, having great marriage, being successful. This is not what the world needs. The world needs to be set free in Jesus' name. The world needs Jesus. And God, we want to be a church that continues to promote, to proclaim, and share the good news of Jesus and his ability to set people free. God, use us, we pray, for that purpose. I pray that this week, everyone here who calls himself, herself a believer in Jesus Christ would say, Lord Jesus, I'm showing up for duty. Use me. Use me to share my testimony. Use me to speak life to that person who's in bondage. Use me. Use the difficulty that I'm going through right now. Use it, oh God, for your purposes. And we know that you will. We thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen.